rabbit hole. We live yet? Uh, a couple seconds. <laughs> it's thinking about it. Okay, darn it. There we go. There we go. Well, whatever. <laughs> oh, hey, there hey. we are. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 259, your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm John. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, sometimes some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can talk with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. Yes. Woo! Uh, I could use a beer. <laughs> so I. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to shit today. I need a beer. Yeah. Uh, and... I do want to drop one more thing for those who are interested. Uh, Longtime phenomenal supporter of the channel, uh, Yocto is holding uh, an Extra Life LAN event uh, and raising money for uh, Extra Life, which goes towards uh, children's hospitals, uh, paying healthcare services, pediatric medical equipment, that kind of thing. Uh, it's an awesome charity, awesome way to get involved. Uh, and I'm going to be dropping a link in the description or in the chat right now. There it is. And, uh, there will also be one down in the video description after this video has gone live. So Yakto, very much luck with the, uh, uh, with the fundraiser. Hope everything goes well. And, uh, if anyone's interested, there's the info. There's the info. All right. Yeah. How's your, uh, how's your week been going, Jeff? This week has been phenomenally productive, but only because, like, there's a fire under my butt. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't mean that really in a negative way. It's just there's a lot going on right now, and it all kind of culminated this week. Um, so I had a couple different videos that I needed to get done this week. I got one of them done, and then... Uh, we moved on to we're doing two builds that we're taking to uh, uh pdx land this weekend yeah. uh it starts tomorrow we'll be there first thing friday morning uh and uh you know setting things up but uh, i'm gonna have one pc to display i've got two other pcs that that rhett and i are taking to game on uh, i'm also going to take a pc so we can do some streaming um and so there's there's a lot that's kind of going into this this thing right now um but anyway, uh, the PC that I'm taking to display is not just like a standard PC. Number one, it's probably like 20 grand in hardware. Uh, it's <laughs> it's my Epic 64 core uh, 7742 Rome CPU, uh, ASRock rack motherboard, 256 gigs of DDR4 ECC. <laughs> it's got two RTX A5000s. It's got 12 terabytes of NVMe. 
Um, <laughs> like it's it's a crazy rig. Beyond that, I'm doing a case mod to put it all in. <laughs> now, this case mod has been something that's been in my brain for probably about a year now, and I I was waiting for like the right excuse to get working on it. Uh, the excuse came up a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, sure, I could probably knock out that case mod in a couple of weeks. Uh, word of advice, if you're going to take a case mod to a LAN party, uh, start on it earlier than four days before the event. <laughs> well, isn't this the same party or similar thing happened with your uh, uh, all-steel metal one? Um, yeah, uh, that, that one was, was kind of fun. Uh, that one, I, I actually had quite a bit more, more time and more work to go into, but yeah, uh, same kind of thing. I was, uh, we debuted it at PDX land, uh, mm -hmm. back in March. Um, this one, we, uh, we've been shooting a video for it and, uh, we sat down Monday morning and said, okay, here's the list of everything that like, here's all the ideas. Here's the things we think we can actually accomplish with the case mod. Um, here's the parts that we need. Let's get everything on Amazon. We'll get it all next day delivery. Go. Hardline, hardline custom water cooling loop. Uh, we needed radiators. We needed uh, uh, quite a few other like very essential parts for this build. Mm -hmm. uh, so got everything ordered and everything was supposed to arrive. Well, I got a box yesterday and... Uh, and it's like, oh, cool. Like, I've, I've got some of the stuff that I need to get started. I've got my PETG tubing now. I've got some of the other stuff. Um, what I didn't get was the 280 radiator that I needed. I didn't get any of my bulkhead fittings. I didn't get... Uh, I've never done hardline as far as PETG before. And so I don't have a silicon insert to use the heat gun to not mm. deform the tubing. So you can't bend it without an insert <laughs> of some kind. Uh, that was missing. Um quite a few other bits and bobs for some custom aspects on the case too just didn't show up and amazon said it was because of uh severe weather in oh, in the delivery the, area like the classic fedex line too like oh that's a good old the weather in my one. area yesterday was 41 degrees fahrenheit no rain dry yeah. roads and four mile an hour wind gusts i <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, so we had to shift gears. I have a second PC that we had to build this week. And so this morning we shifted gears, got that one going, got it built, got it like, like 80% of the video filmed. And then I had to go back and start working on the case mod again. Um, the case mod, we have to do all the water cooling tomorrow. Leak testing, install the water cooling, quite a bit of finish work, some paint work left going on. Uh... And uh, and then we pack it up and we hit the road Friday morning. <laughs> so, not a busy schedule at all. Right. I, I I think it'll it'll be okay. But man, there's some software things that have to happen with this. There's some some more custom things that I have to design for it still. Like, it's it, it's going to be a race against the clock, but it's going to be fun. How's your week? <laughs> Uh, you know, it was very similar. No, not similar to yours. Last week was kind of similar of like, oh, I'm going to shoot like a bunch of videos. I got them all done. And actually I have videos I'm still, I'm supposed to be editing, didn't do them. <laughs> um, and then the weekend came and everyone in my family got sick. Uh, I mean, I'm feeling okay. I can like, I feel it here. For me, it seems to be pretty mild. Mm -hmm. uh, slight cough, but my wife and son got it pretty bad. My wife got an ear infection, uh, so she's not having a good time. And on top of that, a cold. 
Uh, and then my son is having the worst of time is he has just this big, heavy cough. Yeah. And uh, it's been keeping him up all night. And what he'll end up doing, too, is he'll wake up in the middle of the night, 3, 4 in the morning, come to our room, knock, knock, he'll open, he's like, Dad. It's like, okay, I'll come over. And his blankets are all messed up, so I have to re-tuck him back in. And mm-hmm. he's just lying there, and I'm trying to get him, you know, I, I try to rub his back because he's uncomfortable and either put some vapor rub on him or something, and he's just coughing. It's, it's taking him 20 to 30 minutes to fall asleep. So I'm in there from 3.30 to 4 for the past four days, you know, <laughs> just tired. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, uh, my my youngest had a uh, an ear infection this last week, and it was the same kind of thing. Took him 30 to 40 minutes to fall asleep, and then he was up at least every two hours. Yeah. Uh, for like four days. Was, uh, yeah. I know. So I, that's why I'm like, I really want to drink, but I don't know how much I should drink because I know I'm going to get woken up at three in the morning. Right. Yeah. So, and it sounds like you're the only functioning adult in the house as well. Exactly. That's why I was like, ah, I really, I really want to drink because, you know, I, I kind of need to, to come down yeah. a little bit just to, just to relax or decompress. But yeah. like, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat where it's like, uh, I would, I would really like a drink right now. Uh, I, I pulled two beers out. I'll probably only drink one, though. I'll probably go for yeah. sparkling water for a second round. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got to wake up tomorrow and finish a custom PC. Yeah. Speaking of beers, I heard one pop. Uh, what do you have? Uh, I have uh, an Adroit Theory. Uh, Dead and Gone Hazy IPA. Clocking in at 10%. <laughs> doing it light uh but yes i could see how that could be a one and done beer right uh i uh yeah those are those are usually pretty big uh juice bombs yeah it's kind of what i i felt like that's what i needed tonight uh uh i i did grab my can of 14 percent stout just Hesit- hesitated for a minute. <laughs> no, I put it back in the fridge. I grabbed another beer. It's it's over here, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, what about uh, you? What'd you I, what'd you settle I, on? I am still fighting myself, so I don't know yet. So I'm going to start off with a lighter end of the beers. It's mm-hmm. the brewery Odd Muse, their backyard rodeo, uh, and it's a Pilsner. Okay. So it's only only coming in at five percent. Something a little bit lighter, maybe <laughs> as the evening takes me, I will uh, yeah. progress up. Well, don't overdo it. Uh, all right. We do have a couple super chats to start out with. IHOP Goblin sends over uh, five euro bucks. Uh, Hi, Jeff. I'm drinking Mad Squirrel's Roadkill New England IPA, six and a half percent. Thanks for the helpful Proxmox content. You're more than welcome. Thank you for watching. Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, let's see. William's got a Badger Hill Brewing Badger Snack Peanut Butter Stout, 6.3%. Novella's got a Barrel House Brewing Kong Double Hazy IPA, clocking in at 8.2. Yep. Let's see. Brian's got a Sierra Nevada Celebration IPA, fresh hopped. Those are always fantastic this time of year. Uh, let's see. Sean's got a Deschutes Fresh Squeeze. uh, Fresh Haze. Sorry, Fresh Fresh Haze. Nice. Another solid one this time of year. Yeah. Uh, Kren sends over his traditional uh, two Aussie bucks. G'day, mates. Uh, Any advice for surviving PA? Uh, Are you you saying Pennsylvania? 
Any advice for surviving PA? Uh, are you in the States this week? I don't know. <laughs> I've never been to PA. Uh, no. So, yeah, that that's like me asking you about Western Australia. It, no one lives there. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, do we have any more? Uh, Janos wants to know, Jeff, any favorite fractal cases? Uh, lately, I've been digging on the, the Torrent uh, series of cases. Uh, in fact, I did a build today in the Torrent Nano. Uh, and outside of one very minor complaint uh, about uh, power supply cable routing, uh, because the power supply is in the top, some power supply cables may be a little short to reach things like your graphics cards and things like that without running extensions. Um, and uh, so I did run into a little issue where I couldn't use the the built-in uh, cable management. I had to just kind of like string things across the back to get them to reach. Beyond that, phenomenal case. Uh, and in fact, my streaming PC is the the full-size torrent. It's the, the regular fractal design torrent. Also, they're Define 7. You really can never go wrong with a Define 7. So... Uh, let's see. Uh, I was going to ask why two beers would be a problem for tomorrow, but now I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, like I said, it has been an incredibly productive week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those weeks where it's just go, go, go. And you're constantly, you're constantly shifting from moving target to moving target, depending on what you can actually accomplish within the next hour. And uh, you kind of just keep slogging through. Top of your game, too. Yep. Elma says the Pop Air is nice. Yes, I've got a Pop Air Mini, and I absolutely love that one as well. Um, Fractals. When you ask a like a fra- favorite fractal case, it's like which Anchorage brewing is your favorite? Yeah. <laughs> like I like the one with alcohol. Right. Right. I like the fractal design one with that has a power button on it you know you know there's that one that they they make the ipa at 8.4 percent that that's a really solid one yeah that's a one (laughs) (laughs) that fractal design where it has like you know uh, a metal casing around it i like and some glass i like that one yeah all right uh it has been an eventful week in the world of tech um mainly around twitter and i don't know how much i want to talk about that uh beyond like the the twitter implosion uh and and man baby syndrome things going on over there the only other news even twitter included have been like meta facebook is going to lay off eleven thousand people uh twitter laid off entire departments and then asked people to come back and uh because they figured out they actually needed them and actually did things uh there's been so many like weird down stories i know it affects people but i also didn't want to get into that kind of vibe tonight so uh we are going to talk a little bit about uh intel and high performance computing uh they made quite the announcement today uh introducing an all-new series of cpus and gpus known as the intel max series uh, I didn't see this one. There we go. Um, So this was the the first uh, article in in our notes, John. I think I changed the... uh, You did, yeah. I was like, I read 
this is like, oh, these are all new. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, uh, I asked Rhett to link one, and he accidentally linked one when they first announced the tech, not when they announced products. And so uh, this is going to be based on Sapphire Rapids with HBM. Uh, and if you don't know, HBM stands for High Bandwidth Memory. The only products we've ever seen use HBM before have been GPUs. Uh, the Radeon Vega series of GPUs use HBM, uh, the Vega 5664. There's been a couple other data center series cards that have used HBM, uh, probably most notably uh, the Tesla P100 and, and some of the 100 series of, of GPUs from, from NVIDIA. Uh, but it's a tech that we haven't really seen outside of GPU use yet. Well, Intel is now going to package their Sapphire Rapids CPU tech with HBM on package. Uh, and it's a really interesting concept because every single Sapphire Rapids chip, Sapphire Rapids with HBM, will have 64 gigabytes of HBM on board. Uh, and the bandwidth is absolutely insane on these. Um, we are talking, gosh, where was the, no, I should pull up my notes because I was involved in the call this last week. <laughs> I should pull up my notes just for, for good measure. Notes, there we go. Uh, so yeah, Sapphire Rapids with HBM up to 56 cores. And by the way, that's 56 P cores, performance cores. No efficiency <laughs> cores, 56 P cores. You know the eight performance cores that we have in uh, like Raptor Lake? 56. Yeah. Okay. That's first and foremost. Uh, secondly, 350 watt supported TDP on these. Um, so, yeah, these are going to be power hungry little chips, but at the same time, 56 performance cores. Uh, every single chip in the Sapphire Rapids HBM stack will have 64 gigabytes of HBM memory on four 16 gigabyte uh, uh, stacks. Uh, basically, this is going to be a chiplet design or what Intel is calling a tile design because chiplet was already taken. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, tile design, so there's four different CPU packages and then each CPU package will have an associated 16 gigabytes of HBM attached to it. There's also uh, their fabric that holds everything together and allows processors to see others uh L L1 and L2 cache they can share share all that information it's all uh you know helps speed things along very similar to AMD's infinity fabric um the memory bandwidth on the uh HBM is in excess of 1 gigabyte or sorry 1 terabyte no sorry yeah Sorry, I was looking at the wrong one. One terabyte of bandwidth for the entire uh, CPU stack. And again, you're not being limited to... <sighs> CPUs and memory are getting so fast, we're actually starting to be limited by things as simple as physics, as far as <laughs> like the speed in which electricity can pass through traces on a motherboard um, and how far away said things are. Um, Putting the HBM on the package eliminates all of that latency. Um, and I was really worried with what Intel was going to do now that they've ended Optane 
uh, this is very clearly their answer to that is, uh, uh, you know, we can still have 64 gigs of dedicated memory that can work as a cache on package. No extra parts, no extra weird controllers and, and, and expensive dims and all that kind of thing. Uh, just every CPU with this tech is going to have it. Um, max of two sockets per board. Uh, so again, if you double that up, that's uh, what, 112 uh, performance cores and 128 gigs of HBM memory. Um, you can boot the systems up with no DIMM slots populated at all. You don't have to have standard DDR memory DIMMs installed in the servers to make them work. They already have memory. It's 64 gig gigabytes worth. <laughs> um, and, and that's also going to take some wrapping heads around in some cases. Uh, there are three different modes, very similar to what Optane offered, where uh, you can be in HBM only mode, which uh, would require no changes to your application stacks, coding changes, anything like that, because it's going to act just like your regular DDR memory would. Uh, you boot up the system, it sees a pool of memory, the controller handles all, all the, the nitty gritty of that, and you're good to go. Um, the system will post and boot up just fine with just the CPU installed. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is That's HBM intense. flat mode, which is uh, very similar to Optane's application share, app V mode, uh, in which you would uh, your CPU can present two separate pools of memory to to the operating system and to your your applications, and you can program your applications to take advantage of specific pools or to store you know certain memory tables in higher bandwidth memory versus DDR memory. There's also a built-in HBM cache mode, which is mode number three, uh, very similar to again the Optane series of, of memory DIMMs you can automatically have it just cache six, up to 64 gigabytes worth of your memory pool in the HBM. And this again would require no code changes, no, no specific optimizations uh, of any kind, although you could certainly optimize your code to, to take better advantage of HBM. Um, and the idea behind this is that you can store entire databases uh, and, uh, and applications in, in that high bandwidth yeah. memory. And uh, you don't have to rely on NVMe, which as I kind of showed in my Optane video, as fast as NVMe is for for a bulk zeros and ones, it's it's still fighting a lot of latency given the, the layers that it has to traverse through in silicon in order to retrieve the data from its NAND flash and then transfer it back to the CPU. There's like three different controllers it has to go through. Um, whereas if you have a memory controller on your Sapphire Rapids chip that has literal direct communication with HBM, you can cache an entire subset of databases and applications direct in memory as close to the CPU as you could ever get. So very interesting tech. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, it's pretty insane. Uh, yeah. You know, being able to combine everything like this, they're talking about all oh, has all the different power um, versions too. I was just curious because I know a lot of this server stuff is eventually does the tech does trickle down to consumer 
uh, stuff. And this is a very interesting processor. Um, I, I'm going to be uh, intrigued to see what, what part of this, what are the good parts they take, try to implement it into like a consumer laptop processor, you know, um, how much of that they can, they can do now to make it more powerful or more convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, That'll be very interesting with that. You can, you know, scale down the size, but yeah, you're you're also right with with all of this weird stuff, just the uh, physics alone of the conductivity of material. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that too will then push it to where it's like, what else can we make that, conducts and transfers data faster you know electricity faster without overheating essentially too that's another concern yeah uh, there there's it's there's a weird balance you're gonna have to do you know i know with a lot of this stuff especially with a lot of new tech that work graphics cards and processors that are coming out the big complaint we always have is power supply consumption it's needing all of this and that's a lot of heat too and cooling it needs so mm-hmm. i i would be curious to see now, this is designed for a server, so it's already going to have right. And, and and again, we're talking about a 350 watt TDP chip. Yeah, up to two of them on a board, so 700 watts just for your CPUs on on these chips. Um, these are going to be toasty boys at the at the top end of things. Yeah. So I, again, I I really like this, and this is just interesting i know it's a lot to take in yeah uh it's it's just like what it's mind-boggling and you're spitting a lot out and i didn't get a chance to read this particular article i know mm-hmm. when Rhett put the other one on and i was like okay this is kind of cool it's really shiny and I, I i it's a it's an announcement <laughs> video okay we've done stuff like this before yeah and uh, but there's no specs okay so i okay it's cool this will be a quick oh, cool they, they they put memory on the chip awesome yeah. what, what more like, do oh, i need cool. to know and, right. and it's really shiny that's cool mm-hmm. um oh and they actually have a a physical thing at the event okay yeah, there you go um right and then and then this shows up i'm like I don't know any of this. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I thought I got the the article changed over before you you had a chance to read anything, but yeah, no, yeah, it's re- it's really cool. I mean, hearing you talk about it and yeah. uh, uh, so. and you you mentioned you know the possible you know trickle down to consumer tech. There was a very long period in history where that's exactly what would happen. Is uh, we would see products released for enterprise. And then the next generation, we would see that same technology, maybe not on the same scale, but but the same idea behind it, be released to consumers. It's been really weird for the last decade or so because that's kind of flipped. Uh, we're seeing consumer parts released first that are, in all respects, more advanced than the server components. Uh, and then the server components are being the more refined, you know, Gen 1.5 kind of uh, yeah. of things. Um, we've seen this with Intel and AMD for for years and years. Um, I mean, look oh, at think... l- look look at the original Ryzen. It's like wow, eight cores and sixteen threads on, <laughs> in a consumer chip for three hundred and thirty dollars. Like that's nuts. And it took them another eight months to release uh, both Epic and Threadripper. Yeah. And and uh, it's yeah. I, I think I think what it is is there because Intel used to do this, like you were saying, it used to be the opposite. And it was Intel, mm-hmm. and um, you know, they the reason was, and I think it was because servers were, and they still are, you know, the big money maker for most of these companies. Unfortunately, though, it's not very 
uh, sexy for the brand and everything like that. It's not cool to consumers to have this. And I think now they're starting to realize that, hey, if we make our brand the more popular brand with consumers and actually good, right? you know, um, and then that way we'll, we're going to reverse everything. So yeah, like you said, we'll make this Ryzen chip and we'll make it for consumers. And, but we're, instead of releasing it to a server first, we're going to release it to cut consumers. And then that way the individual IT person, uh, who has it can put it into their home computer and tell mm-hmm. their friends about it. And then that's going to spread, which then also goes into, he can tell his boss and his boss will be like, Oh yeah, I heard about that. You know, I heard, you know, it's, I think more people it, would can relate to it. Yeah. It, it's really funny because, um, I know exactly when the change happened too. that consumers got tech before servers did. And it was the release of Intel's Nehalem. It was the release of the X58 chipset and platform, uh, the i7-920. That was the first time that I could ever remember that we saw technology and, and architecture come to the consumer platform first before the enterprise data center, et cetera, parts were ready for prime time. Um, things like integrating the memory controller off of the chipset and onto the actual CPU. That's what happened in the Halem. We didn't get that until 2010 with uh, 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 Xeon chips versus mm. the i7 came out in March of 2009. Uh, like it was almost a full year before we, we started getting the X58 based Xeons uh, based on the Halem uh, to trickle you know, up to the server <laughs> uh, space. Yeah. And those chips were very, very much a big deal. Uh, again, talking about, you know, memory latency and the amount, amount of ne- memory channels. Remember prior to Nehalem, memory controllers existed on the motherboard. And so if you want to talk about a distance uh, or a, you know, the relation of physics and speed of light and speed of electricity and traces, the memory controller wasn't even on the die. It was on the Northbridge chip that's way down by all your PCI slots on your motherboard. Mm-hmm. So it was communicating with that chip, which was then negotiating instructions with memory. Uh, and by the way, there was no such thing as dual channel memory before the introduction of... Uh, uh, well, I guess we had DDR2 at that point. Sorry, I was thinking SD yeah. memory, but... Um, you know, even on the server side of things, we only had two memory channels. And all of a sudden, here's a consumer chip with three memory channels. Uh, yeah, it was... I'm pretty sure that's the time in which they, they started going like, let's hit the enthusiasts first. And it's really been the same game ever since then. Yeah. Um. So the fact that all of a sudden we get, you know, Raptor-like chips at eight cores and, and 32 threads with, uh, you know, with the, the 16 efficiency cores... Uh, or sorry, eight efficiency cores. Um, it's uh, 56p cores. That's a big number. <laughs> that is a very big number. But of course, that's not the only news that Intel had for us. Uh, but first off, let me get this super chat real quick. American Cosworth, uh, didn't we have a discussion two years ago with a gentleman from Sapphire? Uh, that was Ed. Uh, about being sad HBM is not being used anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the problem with HBM is it's very expensive as compared to traditional, you know, DRAM style memory, uh, whether it's GDDR or DDR, you know, DRAM. Um, 
it's very expensive because you have to manufacture it on package. It has to either be on package or on silicon. There's, you know, there's there's no way to utilize it in modules that you install elsewhere on on the, on whatever PCB or card that you're designing. It has to be in close relation. Um, otherwise, it loses all of its advantages. So, it's more expensive. It's uh, it's more difficult to manufacture. Uh, it's definitely not expandable. Uh, yeah. So that there, there's a lot of there's a lot of cons with with HBM, but the trade-off is, well, one terabyte of memory bandwidth. When we're we're talking like 350 gigabytes of memory bandwidth, even with like six-channel DDR4. Uh, so it's it's really insane uh, what a performance difference there is from DRAM to HBM. Uh, and it's really cool, like I said, that they're starting to look at this as not just a, a GPU product, but a compute product as well. Let's see. Uh, does it come with a power plant for those P cores? Uh, yeah, nuclear generator sold separately. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, like I said, this was not the only thing that Intel announced today. Also announced, which might be might be missed by a lot of people. Let's talk about their GPU that they announced. Also based on Intel's Alchemist uh, uh, lineup of GPUs. So, uh, I actually just built a PC today with the Intel Arc A770, the Alchemist A770. Their top-of-the-line GPU... $350, 16 gigs of GDDR6 memory, um, performance roughly equivalent to something like an RTX 2080, AVX1 encoding on board, uh, or sorry, uh, AV1, AV1 encoding, AVX is something different, AV, AV1 encoding on board, um, looks to be a very, very promising first step for Intel. Uh, but there's, there's always the question of like, well, is that all you have? It, it, you know, yeah, you can compete with R an RTX 30 or 2080, but the 3080 is twice as fast as that. And then the 4080 is supposed to be twice as fast as that. So is that all you have? Um, no, that's not all Intel has. Now, let me be clear. This is also very much just a data center product, but... There is such a thing as data center trickling down to consumers. And we do see this more with GPUs than we do with CPUs. We, <clears> we see this with uh, um, with certain, you know, NVIDIA and AMD architectures that eventually do trickle down to consumers. Uh, but let's talk about Intel's data center max GPUs. Uh, for those who don't know, the A770 is based on Intel XE based cores uh and again let me pull up my notes here um ba -ba 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 -ba. uh so a single xe core has eight vector engines and eight xe matrix engines is what they're calling it it's very similar to like nvidia's cuda cores or or raster units or uh you know it, it's just their measure of how many transistors and and bits of silicon have so many instruction sets and and we can churn through data X fast with them. Uh, so there's that. Um, uh, the A770 has 32 of these XE units on it. Okay. 
for a total of 4,096. Gosh, what was the, the actual number here? Uh, sorry, let me, I'll pull up the Tech Power Up page. That'll, that'll work. Uh, A770. That way I'm not going just off memory here. Uh, so yeah, uh, 32XE units for a total of 4,096 compute cores on the Intel Arc A770. 16 gigs of GDDR6, 256-bit memory bus. Uh, the memory total memory bandwidth is, it was in here somewhere, uh, 512 gigabytes per second. Not too shabby. Uh, I mean, definitely not too shabby, right? Well, let's go take a look at the Intel Max GPU. The Intel Max GPU, also based on Intel's Alchemist design, has 128 XE high-performance compute cores. It's four times as many. Now, if we're, again, doing rough math, let's say that the 3080 is twice as fast as the 2080, and the 4080 is twice as fast as the 3080, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a factor of four to the 2080. So if Intel has a GPU that's as fast as a 2080 in raw compute, they have a card that will compete with the 4080. If you scale that up, it's also available for only 400 and, or uh, about $1,200. Now, obviously, pricing does not scale linearly like that, uh, especially when it comes to enterprise HPC type environments. Um, but the features that Intel is packing into here are absolutely mental. So again, let me pull up my notes here. Uh, Intel is putting eight HBM2E memory controllers onto this GPU. So again, they're using HBM memory on this GPU, not not just GDDR6 or GDDR6X. Um, remember how I was impressed with the one terabyte of memory bandwidth on their uh, their Xeon Max CPUs? Mm-hmm. 3.2 terabytes per second memory bandwidth mm. on Intel's XE128. Each tile on the XE128 has 144 megabytes of cache and 60 megabytes uh, 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 of, or sorry, yeah, 144 of L2 and 60 megabytes of L1 or something like that for a total of 408 megabytes of, of total cache on the GPU die. Um, sorry, 64 megs of L1 and then 128 per something. My notes aren't making sense to me right now. But yeah, 64 megs of L1 cache uh, and 408 of L2. There we go. Okay. Found it. Um, so there are going to be three Mac series GPUs, uh, the lowest end of which is 56 XE cores. So still almost twice as fast or twice as many execution units as the A770. But you'll notice this also has 48 gigs of HBM2E memory. Uh, you can also connect up to, I believe it was 16 of these cards together uh, via Intel's XE link bridges. Very similar to NVLink, although a much higher overall number of cards are supported. Uh, whereas I believe NVIDIA right now caps out at eight uh, for their NVLink high-end you know, A100 type compute clusters. 
Uh, that's the 1100 series GPU with a 300 watt TDP. Uh, they're also offering a 1350 GPU with a 450 watt TDP. Um, this one will uh, be available as OAM, which is a an on module or a, a accelerator on module uh, unit. So you can build boards with so many, very similar to how uh, NVIDIA does this with uh, XMS links. Hmm. Um, Anyway, this unit will have 112 XE cores and 96 gigs of HBM2E memory. Finally, we have the 1550, the big daddy, 600 watts. Uh, <laughs> 600 watts, 128 XE cores, and 128 gigs of HBM. 128 gigs of HBM on this card. Speaking of trickling down to consumers. Yes, I know, right? Uh, yeah, well, it is, like you said, these are all still server stuff, uh, but, um, man, imagine, okay, you have, you have two of these and two of those chips in one server, <laughs> you're talking almost, uh, 1800 Watts. Right. Um, imagine I have two or three of these cards and a couple of Sapphire Rapid HBM what kind of cloud computing server can I build with that? <laughs> yeah, and how hot would your garage be? <laughs> um, well, I don't think I could find out because I only have 110 volts <laughs> in my garage right now. I, I really need to install a 220. Uh, it's It's been on my list. I'm hoping it'll happen this next year. I'm hoping to actually get a, a pair of, uh, of 220 volt 30 amp in the garage to like quadruple my current service allotment. Um, but it's also going to require probably new new wire from uh, the street. It's going to require uh, either a secondary panel or a complete rewire uh, of the panel. So it's going to be quite expensive if I ever go down that road. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I actually, you know, I'm now curious if places like this, like if a whole, I'm thinking now, if a whole warehouse or even a large portion of it started using these devices combined, obviously, is what I, my example of, of mm -hmm. how much even more power consumption are they going to need just for the AC units that are cooling that area too. Mm -hmm. And it's just, actually, I kind of do wonder what cost for power to performance these would actually be due. Because... Uh I did discuss some of this with Intel. I was involved uh, in a call uh, earlier this week about kind of the overview of, of this tech, both, both Sapphire Rabbit's HBM and uh, Intel's uh, XE HPC GPUs. Um, and again, this is all 100% Intel, but they were very confident in performance per watt being very much in their favor versus hmm. NVIDIA's A100. Now, uh, I don't know if we talked about last week or not, but NVIDIA has just released their, their Hopper-based GPU, which is their H100, data center-only GPU. The interesting thing about this GPU is it doesn't have CUDA. It doesn't use any CUDA cores, which is traditionally NVIDIA's rasterization, uh, you know, compute engine, uh, which means this GPU, architecture is not compatible with 
DirectX, Vulkan, OpenGL, you know, any of your standard compute and, and, and GPU APIs, uh, because it's built entirely with tensor cores. Uh, so all of the, the goodness that eventually went into RT, RTX cores, um, and all of the machine learning that they started on all the way back, I believe it was in Maxwell, they introduced tensor, um, They've kind of combined all that, and I guess there's like four times as many tensor cores in the H100 as there are on the A100, uh, which is the Ampere-based uh, uh, compute GPU that they had. Uh, and I guess the H100 is, in in a world of uh, finance and and big data and and you know genome deconstruction and all that kind of stuff. I guess the H100 is kicking butt and taking names, mm. uh, but it's also very specific in the instructions that it uses. Um, another big thing that Intel talked about was their One API, which they introduced a couple of years ago. And One API is uh, basically an open source stack of APIs that allow you to integrate your applications with Intel's, you know basically optimize your applications and use cases to work better with Intel hardware. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest things they offer is they actually offer CUDA and tensor translation. Uh, so you can basically run your, uh, your code stacks that were written for CUDA, NVIDIA, natively on Intel XE. You don't have to translate and learn a new platform and learn a new language and learn all the new ins and outs. They do the API translation for you. Um, now, obviously, writing natively is probably more efficient than than uh, than not. But the idea of being able to transfer your product stack or or at least try yeah. out you know a stack of Intel uh, GPUs and CPUs without investing tens of millions of dollars into rewriting you know architecture. Um, it's very intriguing, and and again, that, as, yeah. uh, I, I'm not I'm not a huge analyst as far as big data and 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 that kind of thing. You're you're starting to really stretch my my knowledge of that subject, but it was a really intriguing thing that they are they are so confident in their performance. They're saying, bring your code with you, try out one of our one of our systems, one of our our Intel Max systems, both CPU and GPU combination, and we think we'll be competitive even on the code that wasn't written for our systems yeah that would be pre that's pretty interesting and pretty cool yeah. i wonder I, I know you're more on the programming api yeah, etc side I, of things i know because i remember this type of stuff coming out with a lot of the the mobile software devices earlier mm -hmm. on with the android and apple and and then web and this is also back when windows still had a cell phone <laughs> um or microsoft uh i remember i remember trying something similar to that of like hey use our converter and it'll convert it to all platforms you do it and it's like no that didn't work <laughs> no right. i wasn't i still gotta go in and tweak so many things but uh it's I'm, there's a lot more now and again i'm talking 12 years ago or so 10 years ago and um actually more than that but it, it's actually graduated a lot better now um but yeah. also a different language came that was more optimal to cross platform mm -hmm. uh but still this is this is still doing stuff like this is seeing something like this would be really intriguing and fun to try um yeah for for data stuff especially um 
the the really fun thing about this uh so uh getting back to the the gpu discussion um with the uh, the max 1100 the max 1350 and the max 1550 is the 1350 and the 1550 will be available in pci express cards uh two slot passive and active cooled uh and Again, they also work in multi-GPU configurations, especially if you, you know, need AI scaling and things like that. Um, both the 1350 and the 1550 will be available as standard PCI cards, or you can design carrier boards with up to four GPUs on them. So think of four of those 128XE1550s, uh, 512 gigs of HBM. Uh, what is that? 12.8 terabytes of, of HBM memory bandwidth. Uh, you know, 512 XE cores on a single bladed module. Uh, they were talking about uh, potential blade options uh, in which they integrate onto a single package four of these Intel 550s or 1550s and yeah. two Sapphire Rapids HBM2 into a blade, in, into a card that slots into a server where you can have 12 of them running in a single 4U 19-inch rack. 4U. 12 of these. That's a, that's a lot. <sighs> I want to test one. <laughs> Again, power. Yeah. <sighs> one, one, you'll be fine. <laughs> right. No, I couldn't even run one of these. Remember, that's even the GPUs, not even including the the 700 watts for the dual Sapphire uh, Rapids chips. It's, each of those blades would be 3,100 watt TDP. <laughs> each blade. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, you'll be fine. You don't. Uh, you don't need a. Uh... Uh, to turn the rest of your house on, just let your let your um, circuit board explode. Can, can it run off six hundred mains? Like, can I can I just like direct connect to, to the main line? <laughs> right. <laughs> Splice it off and just why do, do I have to go just... to a switch panel? Like, can I just yeah? Can I just give it three phase? <laughs> it probably blows the whole block. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, was, it was just a fans. You know, I may not be able to play with it, but. Uh, Hopefully Linode gets some instances soon so I can uh, play with it on their dime. By the way, today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by Linode. Hosting your own servers means you need to host your own... Ah, means you get to host all your own problems as well. Even the most skilled engineers will tell you you should decentralize your network. So why not run your services with Linode? That includes most of the software from tutorials you've seen on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex servers, and more. Linode also, Linode offers CP, <laughs> good God, I cannot read today. Linode offers shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as your needs go with dedicated CPUs, bare metal or virtualized hosting, GPU hosting, NVMe block storage, and more. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup offsite. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode is also expanding at light speed with 12 new global data centers planned before the end of 2023. 
Visit Linode.com slash Craft Computing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's Linode.com slash Craft Computing, and I think I may need to start up a new instance to do these reads for me because uh, I'm so tired of getting a little tongue-tied. But thanks to Linode <laughs> for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you. Yeah, you need to do like three or four different ones and uh, just have like different shirts, different backgrounds. Basically, just like a lot, a lot of your ads, you should do it like that. Get very creative with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think also, my, uh, I like my newest Linode ad. I, I think that one's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, my that Star Trek inspired one. Yes, yes, that was a good one. All right, moving right along here. Uh, gosh, I spent almost as much time talking about that as Intel did earlier this week. Uh, uh, Jeff pledged to drink a pickled beer per podcast from here on. What? Uh, no. No. Uh, maybe, maybe if someone keeps donating 500 bucks. Uh the last pickle beer I drank was basically on a $2,000 donation. Because uh, that's what an A5000 costs. I've set my price. I have a price, but I've set my price. Hashtag know your worth. <laughs> Jeff's going to get a bunch of these uh, sapphires in the mail real soon. Yeah. And, and a six pack of pickle beer. Uh, it disgusts me that I have pickle beer here for you. Yeah, all right. I, I, I have a four pack. Um, oh. Uh, so uh, the other week I had them like all stacked up on the table behind me here. And uh, uh, I, I asked Rhett to hand them to me because I was wanting to put them all in the fridge. And so he's handing them to me one at a time. And then he picks up the, uh, the, the four pack of pickle beer. And I picked it up and literally reached over and set it in the trash. <laughs> okay that's where that goes uh, I. by the I'm way you may want to wash those cans before you drink them <laughs> I'm sure it didn't hurt them probably improved them a bit uh, probably <laughs> um, uh, what is it oh I was going to say oh yeah uh, I, so I saved I saved you some of that hot dog seltzer so the next time you come by, since, you know, obviously you don't want pickle beer, but this one's just as good. It's, it's hot dog seltzer. It's great. So you'll have to try that one at least. <laughs> Yay. John, you ever realize I don't come over that often anymore? <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder why that is. Oh. I'm gonna go get that whole lineup of Cape uh, Bourbon County Stout, and then you're. I'm gonna be like Jeff. You want to come over and try all these? There's one price to pay. Um. So uh, I had a. I'm not gonna mention any names, but I had a, a company reach out this last week and uh, say, "Hey, we're a huge fan of the show. We run this business, and we were running wondering if we could run ads or do any other kind of like integration or cooperation with you." And I said, "Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, like I'd, I'd be down to talk." And uh, they emailed back and said, yeah, that sounds fantastic. We'll let you know if uh, if we have any any plans coming up or anything like that. Oh, and by the way, we're in Chicago. So if there's anything beer wise that you want, let me know and I'll see if I can if I can work that out. And <laughs> and I told Rhett, let him know that I know Bourbon County comes out on Black Friday. 
<laughs> oh yeah. It's like I need you to show you. How you want to send me a couple me. variety packs? I'll run a pre-roll for you. Yeah, That's exactly. Fine. <laughs> I'll do it thirty seconds again. For a hashtag know your worth. I know my price. <laughs> a couple of boxes of proprietor. Mm -hmm. I want a whole a whole box, a whole twenty-four box. How much to drink the hot dog seltzer on stream? I don't think it's quite as high as as to get the pickle beer, but I mean, we're we still got to be talking like. If someone buys me a second 3090 Founders card, like like I'll 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 chat. You know, I I could use a second 3090 in my life. I will state it smells way worse than it actually tastes. It tastes horrible, but the aroma is is like your dog's. You you have a wet dog and then he just pooped, and then you're smelling his butt. Boy, you're really selling it to me, aren't you? So I mean, that's what it smells like, but it tastes like a hot dog. Well, it tastes like hot, it tastes like hot dog water. It really does. That's the weirdest yeah. part. But that's not a pleasant flavor to have. Oh. We got some uh, Swedish donations. Yes, and we did miss a super chat from Ethan uh, earlier. Did I? What? Yes. Oh, I certainly did. My apologies. Uh, Ethan, $5. Thank you very much. Uh, Y'all have to talk about the Pimax portal. Uh, that thing is crazy. I actually haven't seen... It just came out four yeah. hours ago. Okay. I looked at it up. It actually is pretty pretty interesting. And I was, I Oh, their AKVR setup. I should reach out to Pimax. Yeah. I should reach out uh, to Pimax. I've got friends over there. So... Um, 4K QLED plus uh, mini LED plus HDR, 144 hertz, uh, six degree of freedom, inside out tracking plus 60 gigahertz MM wave. Um, you know what? I had another company reach out with some uh, some MM wave uh, consoles as well. Uh, so yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, that looks cool. It really does look cool. Uh, since you mentioned it, I will reach out to Pimax. I, I will reach out to my contacts there. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's see. Uh, and Yepe, Hepe, Yepe, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, sends over 100 uh, Swedish kroner to the next beer. Thank you very much. As long as it's not a hot dog or a pickle beer. Well, speaking of, are are you done with yours? Uh just about. Just I'm about. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go grab my next. Okay. All right. Be right back. Cool. Cool. Uh, and Zachary wants to let me know that he is retiring an A six thousand soon. Um, we'll talk. I can't believe I'm hesitant on that deal like that. That bothers me on a deep philosophical level that I, I'm questioning whether or not it's worth it. That That's what I'm questioning. Okay. So you don't like pickled beers, right? Um, and the hot sure. dog, you're like, you're like iffy on. What about if I gave you this one and then people can do it? It's, it's the buffalo wing sauce. Beer. 
I'm not going to say no outright. I'm not going to say no outright. <laughs> it's a, it's a buffalo wing sauce sour beer. So sour it, beer. Yes. Um, have you eaten <laughs> a buffalo wild wings? Yeah. Well, if have, if yeah. it's sour, there's more problems than. <laughs> So that's that's my second can. So if you want to even attempt to try it, you can have that one. Right. <laughs> I will trade you that that pack of pickle beer for for that. Um, you can have the pickle beer. How's that? <laughs> By the way, I do have a couple other beers for you. So if you've got your uh your six to twelve pack for me. I've got a six to twelve pack for you. So I I have, I think I'm at like four. Mm -hmm. This would have been five. Yeah, so I think I have. I, I, I think I have seven for you right now. Okay, I got. Uh, I do have a really good rye, uh, uh, barrel aged stout. So okay, you can count that as two. Okay. Well, okay. it is only a twelve ounce can though. One and a so. half. All right, one and a half. There we go. <laughs> But it's the same uh, people who make the pickle beer. But it's really it's 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 quite delicious. 0.75. Ah. <laughs> Keep talking, John. This is working in my favor. Uh I, I love that your and my currency system has always been no more complex than when we graduated high school. Like two Mountain Dews, <laughs> I'll drive you to work. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, yeah, just buy me some Taco Bell or something. Right, uh, right. Give, give me give me some Carl's Jr. <laughs> oh, you you got gas? Okay, I got Carl's Jr.'s breakfast. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, we're not complicated men. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's a good egg sandwich. <laughs> uh, man, gas is six dollars a gallon, but the biscuits are good. <laughs> Actually, those were really good. <laughs> mm, cheesy cheesy yes oh andrew sends over five dollars thank you very much andrew uh my const uh x99 rebar tutorial is out i did see that i haven't had a chance to watch it yet but uh very interesting uh he got rebar which is a addressable bar support so the <laughs> the big thing that came to uh uh radeon 5000 series graphics cards or was it six no 6000 series graphics cards um as well as uh amd 5000 series cpus and then later on 12th gen intel cpus and now 3000 and 4000 series basically again moving the memory closer to where it needs to be for optimal use uh eliminating bottlenecks in in throughput Resizable bar means that your CPU can view the memory that is being stored in the GPU and access it without having to go through any controllers. Um, now, you're still bound by the latency of PCI Express controllers going down in distance to the card, as well as your overall GPU memory bandwidth is. Uh, but uh, there is... A significant performance advantage in games that that do benefit it from it games that are very memory sensitive um so the fact that my const has gotten it working on x99 on pci express 3.0 and again from the sound of it sounds like it's uh 
potentially plausible to run on any PCI Express 3.0 compliant hardware platform. That's pretty crazy. So that's exactly the kind of niche that I like to see for those who know me. Hey, Jeff, publish another uh, VGPU video. I will. Thank you. All right. So I finished my first beer. Um, I don't think I'm going to dive into the second beer. I think I want to visit my fridge. Because uh, right. I, I, I didn't mine. grab the 14% stout, but I did grab the 12 and a half. And I'm just not feeling it. Right now, uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm going to go visit the fridge. So... Uh, uh, tell you what, you have Starlink, so actually this next story is as applicable to you as it is to me. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, tell you what, I will uh, throw up this view. You can intro All this right, story. I will intro it. Uh, Starlink and the people over there, the powers that be, we all know who that is, uh, has decided to do something with their internet service, and that is DataCap. Something we all love about our internet providers, cell phone providers, all of that wonderful thing. Um, yeah, so we, if you have Starlink, you will be uh, essentially data capped. Um, and if you want more, you're going to need more. And they are doing it, though. There is a nice part um, at the one terabyte per month for priority access data usage. Um, there's a couple of okay things about this and a couple of really i don't like things because this is not how this was originally sold to me so i am frustrated with that uh but yeah it is annoying especially for rural areas than to be capped I, I don't like that but one terabyte is quite a lot um so i i, I get it there's probably in my mind, uh, first seeing this, I was kind of like really upset. And then I was like thinking, okay, there's probably actually a lot behind it. Reading into the details um, and looking at the data usage I use. Uh, so I have my in-laws, I got my in-laws Starlink and they're the typical casual users. They, right. you know, barely, they, they use it basically for their cell phone instead of wireless service mm -hmm. and Netflix. Yeah, that's basically it, you know, and then there's every now and then they don't even surf the Internet. Their Internet surfing is their phone and then they pay their bills on a desktop. That's yep. their usage. And I looked at the data on, that they're using. And I was like, they're not even hitting like 200 gigs. Uh, OK, this will this will never affect me. Uh, and even I'm there on weekends and I'll stream music and, and stuff, but I'm not downloading, you know, 4K videos. Um, so it's like this, this actually isn't horrible. I, I, and, I can and, and again, part of this data cap is it's only a daylight data cap. Uh, any yeah, data you use between yeah. 11 and seven is free. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't even count towards your cap. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's not really, I got this email too. I am a Starlink customer. I do have uh, uh, Starlink. I use it primarily for a backup service, uh, but I do send some of my traffic through it just to, you know, keep it running and make sure it it works. It's and up. yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and so not that big of a deal to me, you know, uh, on my, my home internet connection, again, I run my business out of my home. My business is data, uh, like, like slinging up a, a video, even my videos can be like 
final renders at 4K can get upwards of like 13, 15, 20 gigabytes each. Yeah. That's a sizable chunk. Uh, if you need to download a Steam update, all of a sudden you're looking at 125 gigs. And, and it's like, ordinarily I wouldn't need to download that, but I need to download three copies because I need to benchmark that on two different systems. And, you know, all of a sudden that's a burden. And uh, yeah. uh, uh I don't want to talk about my personal data usage right now, but yeah, it, it, it's high. Uh, it's it's in excess of one terabyte. Well, yeah, but that's that's your personal line. You know, it's not right. a satellite. Now, right. and I did, I did, like I said, I, I I use it for my in-laws, and they live in a rural, they live on a farm, mm-hmm. and the internet provider there, they we all it was was satellite, yeah. and so. Previously, I did have the Viasat, the competitor, you know, the biggest one. And yeah, I was paying more than what Starlink's new price is now because it went up, you know, uh, 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I I had a 300 gig cap. Mm -hmm. So they were doing so it was the biggest competitor is capping you. at, And I didn't have the unlimited, but price point wise, you know. Yeah. It was so theirs was fifty bucks more or twenty bucks more. Yeah, and I was capped at three hundred gigs at a twenty-five megabit speed limit, and yeah. that was top limit, which I never hit. Um, right. I also have less of a problem with data caps when it is a satellite service because there is a cost associated with that kind of transmission. Yeah. Um, for terrestrial transmissions, for, for cabled transmissions, any of the infrastructure has already been subsidized by the government or your de facto monopoly in the environment. Um, and I have very little sympathy uh, for for those types of use cases and, and those companies that do that. The, uh, you know, the, the Verizons and Comcasts and Xfinities and Coxes and AT&Ts of the world. Um, because it's like, we as a people gave you $40 billion and you built us a hundred miles of fiber and then charged us, you know, exorbitant fees for what literally didn't cost them a dime. Um, And they still didn't run the fiber network that they promised they would back in like 1996. Uh, So. Well, they also did mention that uh, only less than 10% of Starlink's current users even used that much data as a cap. So it's not affecting as much. Mm-hmm. Obviously though, Starlink is rolling out faster and faster and you know the text going out more and more. The whole purpose of this is to be, you know, kind of a global everyone should be able to access a, a form of decent inter- high-speed internet. But but uh, part of that part of that statement also tells me that I uh, Let me back up for a second here. I I used to uh, monitor data traffic for a number of different organizations. And uh, the overall trend was exponential growth year over year as far as data and bandwidth usage because of different services being offered, higher quality services being offered, um, whether it was you know video streaming or simply just web use. Um, I mean, God, 
getting onto your bank requires a 20 megabyte download now when you know yeah. getting onto your bank was a text transaction back in 2002. Well, you um, know, those high, high def <laughs> graphics and images you have to download and right, right. cookies and then, yeah. Right, and, and so, but just a couple of years ago, the justification uh, by the FCC in allowing data caps from people like Comcast and Verizon who said like, unlimited, but also only one terabyte, please, um, was that that policy affects less than 1% of users. All of a sudden we're seeing a statement from a, uh, a non-terrestrial internet provider that says 10%. Yeah. That's a 10X growth of affected users that are using more than one terabyte of bandwidth per month. And that's got to be a trend that needs to be paid attention to. Uh, I wish streaming services as, as they sit, and I'm talking like your Disney Pluses and your Hulus of the world. Um, I wish there was an easy way to cap resolution and or bit rate mm. as a consumer um, be, yeah i mean like because to youtube right because where well even even youtube uh if you consider like if i'm watching a ton of it yeah sure i use my desktop but a lot of people like 30 percent of my viewership for craft computing is on a tv through like an xbox one or or something yeah. similar uh, there's a good number of users who are just streaming from whatever application is there. And those applications will auto-negotiate based on the data rate that is available. And so if you're able to download 4K, they'll give you 4K. Yeah. I wish, I wish there was a way for me to say, you know what, I only need to watch Bluey at 720p. <laughs> yeah. for god's sakes like like if i want to watch andor yeah i want 4k but if i'm gonna if if i'm gonna watch binge watch the summer. office yeah for the 19th time i know I, I, i'm watching tng i don't need 4k definition right in fact it kind of hurts it <laughs> yeah if i'm watching futurama while i fall asleep it yeah. doesn't have to like just give me the original 480i i'm fine yeah, uh, I, I wish there was a simple way from your Roku's and your Amazon streaming sticks and things like that to just say run at standard def unless unless otherwise told. Uh, yeah, or like here's the resolution if possible. You know, um, the max I want to go to. Otherwise, you know, right. Uh, uh, just uh, LTT, Linus did a, a big rant about this based on the fact that they were thinking about blocking off 4K uh, to YouTube premium subscribers only. And uh, they brought up an excellent point that there's diminishing returns the higher resolution you get. And, and if you look at the data usage of 4K and the percentage of users who are actually able to discern 4K... Um, it's it's an exceedingly high cost. Uh, and and I will tell you, we use probably 700 gigs a month just on Disney Plus and Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> because I've got three kids and two of them are home 24 hours a day. And, and I stay at home and my wife stays home. And 
And so there's constantly TVs on in our house just with whatever we happen to be binge watching at the time. Yeah. And and I'm sorry, but, you know, my wife's been going through Buffy the Vampire Slayer lately and originally broadcast in 36DI. Like, like this was the 90s. This yeah. this was like this, 97, 98. So CW was good. <laughs> right. Uh, there's no reason you need to upscale that to 4K to show it on my TV in in stellar non, you know. There's yeah. no reason to, to waste all that traffic. So I wish there was a little bit more less marketing with like view all of our content in high definition 4k um uh tom lawrence i was talking to him this last week we were talking about cameras uh camera tech uh so lawrence systems uh go, go look him up if you haven't done so already most of you probably know who that is um his youtube videos look phenomenal um he's shooting on a canon c100 that he bought so many years ago and and he goes, I'm really having a hard time justifying any kind of upgrade that I might want because number one, it just does such a darn good job. And number two, he's on screen for all of like 30 seconds in full screen. And then he shrinks down to a little little corner of the window so uh, he can go through a tutorial or talk about a website or a service or a data breach or whatever else. And uh, And he goes, do I need that 4K upgrade just for you know, just to make myself look that extra sharper in my little tiny corner of the world. Yeah. And the answer is probably no. Um, and, and even though I up, I, I upload in 4k, I upload in 4k mainly because of the bitrate. Uh, and even when I had 1080p native cameras, I uploaded, I, I would always render them in 4k because if YouTube picks the 4k option, you get a higher bitrate version of that stream. Um, now the downside to that, if you're someone who has a data cap, a la Starlink, uh, you're left kind of holding the bill for that if you didn't otherwise want it. So yeah. well, lots of interesting conversations. I've, yeah. uh, I've, I've been thinking a lot about data caps lately. And, and while, like I said, I, I'm vehemently against them for terrestrial services for your, your wired, fiber optic and coaxial and DSL services of the world because you've made money off of your monopoly hand over foot. There's absolutely no reason in the world to charge a consumer an extra 15 bucks for lighting up an LED an extra thousand times a month. That's literally all the power and bandwidth that consumes. Satellite is another question. Satellite has an actual cost involved in the transmission and recep reception of data. Um, outside of just like normal wear and tear upkeep. Uh, so I I have very little sympathy for hardline ISPs though. <laughs> well, the real reason Tom though doesn't upgrade uh, for costs and the reason is he, he spends so much money on his hot sauce collection. That's true. And he does not want to go- He away does have that. a He's bomb like, hot sauce collection. He does. <laughs> it's like a couple of shelves. <laughs> Makes my liquor, my liquor shelf look a little subpar. I know, I know. He has like double that in hot sauce. I, it, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. The overall feeling I have about Starlink introducing data caps is not the end of the world. 
especially when you consider every other service that you would have if you are a Starlink customer. Uh, you know, your your Viacast and your, um, oh gosh, who's the other, HughesNet and things yeah. like that. You're, you're, you're looking in the face of 50 gigabyte data caps. Yeah, exactly. Not one terabyte data caps. You're no, looking at I... like max service of 20 megabit per per second, not into the triple digit yeah. uh, bandwidth. So, and again, there was no government incentive or subsidization of, you know, Starlink launching satellites up and creating a global service where you can get 100 meg service just about anywhere. Well, also too, like you said, uh, this is also a time frame. So if you did have to download something, right. you know, do it at eleven oh one, and or yeah, you know, eleven oh one. Yeah, and you just set a schedule on your torrents. Most yeah. most of them have them. And so there you go. That's when you download everything. Um, boom, done. Oh taken care of. Oh my god. Oh, oh, you got a stout. I did. Um, so. So I looked at my my twelve and a half percent stout, and I went, "No, nah, that's a little too much." And then I went into the fridge and I grabbed another stout, and I'm like, "Oh, this one's interesting. What's the ABV?" And I turn it over, and it's like, "Oh, it's another fourteen percent stout that I didn't know that I had." Um, and so I grabbed this other one, and uh, this is the uh, Fishing with Horus Imperial Coffee Stout from Humble Forager Brewing. I believe this is in Wisconsin, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, uh, Wenaki, Wisconsin. Uh, 13% ABV. But it was when I looked at the bottom of the can and it said, enjoy by 11, 11, 22. And who am I to argue with a can? You can't, yeah, you got to have it that, this time. So there you go. I, I got two more days to enjoy it and we're leaving for, for Vancouver in two days. So yeah, so got to have it now. I, it's, 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 it, you, you have to. Oh my That's... God. <laughs> What's what's the one thing that always gets lost in uh, in stouts, especially vanilla? And there's uh, another coconut? lighter flavor, coconut. Oh, coconut, yeah. Oh my god, this is straight up almond joy. Oh, oh man, there's there's oh, a match. Oh my good god, there's a couple of coconut ones I have coming. I'm that's the thing. I anything that says coconut, I will. I've had that company before yeah not that not yeah. that one though so this is the uh fishing with horus imperial coffee stout roasted hazelnuts toasted coconut maple syrup and monster coffee mm. the oh, coconut is this oh this is straight up an almond joy and i haven't even taken a drink yet pure aromatics <laughs> I don't even see a head on that thing. There's not. I tried to induce one. I tried to, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm not getting much of a head. Let me let me dump the last three ounces or so. It wasn't having any of it. I went for something oh my a little, God. little bit lighter than your uh, 14. Mine's only 6.4, but it is Anchorage. So, and it's got some weird, uh, an IPA. Uh, new begin. It's called New Beginnings. Fermented mm -hmm. with Omega Yeast Thiol Boosting Cosmetic Punch Yeast. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be yeasty. 
whatever words you're saying right now, they're literally fading into obscurity. <laughs> this. So I'm, I'm just basically saying I, this is an experimental IPA. Yeah. I, uh, you're like, this shut is, up, John, I'm enjoying myself. I really <laughs> am. This is so sweet without dipping into syrupy. This is so... Which is interesting because I was like, I don't see any uh, layings on the glass, but it looked like it was pouring thick. It's pouring thick. Oh, man. There's, oh, there's, there, there it is. There's okay. legs. Like, there's legs. Yeah, you can see my that's, face yeah, is so tinted. Now, now there's a shade different. Uh, right. Um, but... Uh, in fact, it's still there. Like Holy crap. Tobacco looking. Yeah. No, very, you know, spit can kind Leather, of legs on yeah, it. Yeah, chew. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a stout without being leathery or tobacco-y or, or that. It, it's it's the 50-50 the blend of milk and dark chocolate rich with what tastes like like flame-roasted coconut. Like mm. th there's a smoke to it. There's a that I cannot get over that coconut. Um, I've never had a better coconut beer in my life. Ooh, that's high praise. That you you and praise. me both know uh, the coconut. Like, oh yeah, yeah. We, we've had lots of amazing coconuts, and there's a particular one we know think of. Yes, there has. I've never had a better coconut beer in my life, flat out. Hang on, what was it called again? Fishing with Horus. H-O-R-U-S. Humble Forager. Yes. More part two. Yeah, Imperial Layer is one. A literal ton of roasted Oregon hazelnuts. So there well, yeah, go. they called them, yeah. Okay. Filberts kind of kind of yeah. mistook that, but okay. Yeah, they yeah, they should have been Filberts. That's right. <laughs> Toasted coconut before Dustin Barra, Wisconsin maple syrup. Oh yeah. The maple syrup is there. It's very much there. Um it's it's beneath the coconut, but it's not missing. Um and like I said, they they managed to be so richly sweet without without losing any of those darker flavors, without losing that little bit of smoke and roastiness and coffee and... Ah. Uh. <laughs> Darkest Dot says, F it, I'm having a 2017 Bourbon County Stout. I know, that's... <laughs> My man. Uh, Tech Geek sends over 25 bucks. Uh, YouTube being weird, message to follow. I will uh, take a look at that uh, as soon as it rolls in. Uh, Skull says, do it, Darkest Dot. Yes, do it. Um, somewhere around here, I still have... I think it's 2017. I, I still have a 2017, I think, in my fridge. Um, yeah. Uh, Nicola's having a Brook uh, Lottie 10. Nice. Nice. Um, Who's that I have over there? Uh, that over there, that, that bottle that's kind of sticking up right oh, yeah. there, uh, that's a bottle of the Johnny Walker High Rye. Oh. That's been pretty good. Um, got a couple other bottles recently, too. 
forgetting which ones right now, but yeah. Good stuff. Damn it, I don't even drink and I want this stout. And we often praise stouts for being like super dangerous. Like it doesn't taste boozy at all. Yeah. You could tell me this was 6%. Oh, but again, yeah. Uh, I should have gone for the 17. <laughs> oh, that coconut. Ah, that coconut and maple combo is so, so good. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right. It's been an hour and a half. We've managed to talk about two stories. Although, to be fair, the first one literally needed like an hour. Yeah, and it's yeah. more like two stories within one. Right. Uh, let's see. Waterloo researchers discover security loophole allowing attackers to use Wi-Fi to see through walls. Um, this has actually been a speculative technique for a probably 15 years as they started experimenting with uh, um, signal loss being graphed in a in a three-dimensional grid space yeah. to allow it to see exactly how Wi-Fi was bouncing in the room across or a, a room on the other side of the wall. Uh, but this is one of the first instances of someone taking a piece of technology and actually using it to, to prove that is possible. Uh, like we've known it's possible in labs with, with different attenuation levels and things like that. But someone took an off-the-shelf drone and uh, flew a drone near a building. Uh, and between scanning the Wi-Fi networks that were being emitted in the building and transmitting its own known, known signal as if it were like echolocation, it could actually map in 3D space the outside of the building as well as the interior of the building within certain constraints yeah it was able to base basically it would be able to ping off any wi-fi device mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know that was enabled and they're saying basically what it is is those are even if they're connected to a private network or anything like that it can you can still ping it and it'll still send a message back saying hey you're not allowed to be in here doesn't right. matter that's a message now right and it would take that latency like you're saying and they said they could get it within about three feet. Right. Um, Which is crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, basically what it is, is a non-TCP ARP attack. It is, uh, uh, and the same way that we use GPS, where uh, for those who don't know, GPS is based on satellites and it's literally based on the time that it takes for your device to communicate with a satellite above you. Now, if you're only communicating with one satellite, you really can't triangulate your position. Uh, but if you are able to communicate with seven satellites and uh, negotiate the time sent and received of signals between those satellites down to a microsecond level, you can triangulate your position based on how far you are from each individual access point or each individual satellite. And so the more satellites you have access to, the better your triangulation will be. Yeah. 
this is the same theory with cell phone towers and triangulating uh, devices on, on cellular networks. Uh, it, it's all based on time. Literally the measurable distance of how far away you are from a known point, the more points that you have, you see where those points all intersect and you have your, your answer. Um, and if you do that in 3D space, even better. Uh, how many Wi-Fi devices do you think there are in a modern home or a modern apartment building or modern business complex? Oh, yeah, like an apartment building, just huge amounts. I mean, everyone's got probably a cell phone, a smart TV of some kind, mm -hmm. um, a, probably a laptop or a computer. So there's three right there. Mm -hmm. There's your router itself, probably. Yep. Um, if you have a mesh network of any kind or if a business provides a mesh network, you know, think of like a hotel. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, easily, uh, you know, and all of a you, sudden then your, your console system. Yeah, right. All of a sudden, any Wi-Fi emitting device becomes a triangulation point for not only your point in 3D space, but its point in 3D space, because you can also measure the distance of you to the receiving device. Uh, and again, if you have... Think of the inverse of GPS. Think of one satellite communicating with a thousand devices out, out in, in the space. If it knows that one device is 100 meters away and this other device is 103 meters away, but then it moves a little bit and it can see those numbers change, it can start to adjust that in 3D space. So actually using a drone as a mobile platform to gather data as it flies around, you'd be very easily able to very quickly triangulate and graph all of these devices. And with the right algorithm, you could probably build a floor plan out of it. Probably. I was also sitting there thinking, you know, if, if you were in a large building and something like this, you know, you could be implemented, even with just a few drones, um, you would probably be able to track a person like walking through the building if their cell phone's just in their pocket. That would be a, a very interesting thing. Novella um, Hub says token ring. Yeah, but you have to have a termination point. It, it, it you have to have a you have to have a stopper at the end, right? Otherwise, the token ring will fall out, and then then all your packets drain out. <laughs> uh, yeah, the other scary part too, or interesting thing was this was all other than the it only took about twenty dollars in hardware, excluding the drone. Right. Um, so it's not like this. Oh yeah, it's from a college, you know, um, professor team that has all this uh, tech. No, it's over the counter, twenty bucks. You can go to Amazon and probably buy this right. stuff. Um, I mean, back in the day, we had Wi-Fi spectrum analyzers that we would use to identify uh, potential issues with interference and and devices that were causing spectrum uh, broadcast. Uh, things like, you know, fluorescent light ballasts and 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 the like, uh, you know, especially back in the days of, you know, fluorescent lighting and not LED and CFLs in houses and whatnot. Um, my team would often use spectrum analyzers to, you know, better tune Wi-Fi and eliminate any possible interferences. Um, those, like, even back then, like 10 years ago, you could buy 2.4 and 5 gigahertz spectrum analyzers that connected via USB for like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Like it was not a big investment. Um, and uh, not only could you see 
the entire spectrum. You could identify Wi-Fi devices. You could you could triangulate their position, and if you had and if you hooked up your Wi-Fi analyzer, your spectrum analyzer, to a directional antenna, you could basically walk around like uh, what are those uh, the water finders, the the oh, sticks yeah, the, that you hold around. Yeah, yeah. The sticks. Um, yeah. Uh, it, Cold, 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 hot, 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 hot. Yeah. You you would just point your laptop at wherever device you were looking for, and we could walk within two or three feet of it. Yeah. Like it. it... Hey, every day at three p.m., my Wi-Fi drops. Well, every day at three p.m., it turns out this person makes popcorn in their microwave that they weren't supposed to have under their desk. Like, yeah, everyone has a space heater right. in their office. Everyone has a space heater in their office. Dealt with that last week. <laughs> um, what's the worst melted PC you've ever found? Because I, I had one that had literally turned to goo under someone's desk. Oh, I've never had a melted PC. Mm -hmm. Never, never had that. Uh, no, most of the time. I had a always... Dell where the faceplate had sagged like a good four inches, oh. and it actually like drooped down the side like that. Now oh, it resolidified every night, and so every night it was like a it, it was like droopy. tree sap where it would just drop a little bit more. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I've had uh, power strips. I've gone there like three of them are blown, you know, black and melted off. I'm like, why did you think that just going to the next one was safe? Right. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, these are all individual. They, it's like, no, no, no. They uh, all get connected. Uh, the people who don't understand that power strips are just large bus bars. Yeah. Or uh, they have, I love the, the, the power strip connected to the power strip, connected to the power strip. Connected to the mini fridge. Connected to the mini fridge. And then all of them are all full. Yeah. Why doesn't it work? It blew. Can I just have a new power strip? That, no. That's to prevent the building from burning down. <laughs> uh. mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I had a, last week I dealt with a power strip that a space heater, which was not supposed to be there, kept blowing when they plugged in their curling iron. I was like, oh, well. Not Did you get a fault. ticket for that? <laughs> it was, but it was, it was described as my computer shut down and I don't know why. Huh, yet uh. cause and effect dictates that you knew <laughs> when you turned your curling iron on, your computer shut down. Well, it worked last Interesting. week. That's that was their excuse. Was last week when they did it, it didn't bl turn the or blow right. it up. It's like, well, yeah, because you blew it up probably then, and now it doesn't work anymore. Well, their cubicle neighbor wasn't making popcorn at the time. Oh, I know. So, so it, it's. Can it's I just cute. say I don't miss cube farms? <laughs> Can I just oh. say that much? Oh, I I had to deal with this this a new or uh, not a rehire. Oh, and she was Ugh. complaining, complaining that, and she's been gone for like a month and a half. And she was like, where's my computer? You've been gone for a month and a half. Right. I, I'll, I'll hold it for like a week because you might get back. After that, it's farmed back out. I'm right. sorry. Right. Uh, but all my... of my stuff was on my computer. That's no, exactly... I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Which company did you work for? Yeah, that's oh. my stuff. Yeah. And then, and then she needed to be moved from the initial desk because, uh, it didn't fit her ball that she uses as a chair. You know, so I, I will like, oh. say I will defend ergonomic decisions to the death. 
um, as as someone who is well over six foot and and rarely has ergonomic uh, uh, accommodations met well. Uh, I I will defend anyone's need for a a ball chair or a sit stand desk or whatever else to the very end. Sit stand desk, I don't mind. The, the, the <laughs> issue, and this cubicle, it was a corner cubicle. It could fit the ball just fine. Yeah. Uh, she, but she didn't want to be in the corner, and that was her excuse. Was like, it just doesn't fit her ball. I was like, it's fine. It's right there. And right. It's, it, it's, it's actually a bigger desk than what she had before. Yeah. But no. 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 So. Yep. Uh, yeah. Ergonomic needs are are something that is often overlooked by employers, by workers themselves. Uh, it, it's amazing how basic ergonomic changes can drastically better your life, your your mood, your your livelihood, whatever else. Um, What's your record for the most items in a print queue? Oh, we going straight up satanic tonight? Like, do you wake up and choose violence? <laughs> uh, I, I can't I... give you an exact number, but I will tell you it was in the four figures. <laughs> oh, when I go to those and I see that, I'm just like, oh, sorry, clear. I don't care. Right. Uh, so if um... you ask me to come here and fix this? <laughs> nope, I'm going to start from bare bone scratch. So, uh... I like to think I was a very good boss. I, I like to think that that I, I treated all my employees fairly. That all, all of my in department staff was uh, um, treated with respect and and everything else. But at the same time, I very much encouraged someone who was passionate about a certain project to go ahead and take ownership of that project because you're going to own it better than any of the rest of us would. If if uh, you know, ergonomics are your goal. We will send you all ergonomic tickets so you can go out and, you know, make sure someone has the right keyboard and the right desk and the right, you know, uh, you know, the right foot rest for, for their particular needs. Like if, if that's what you're passionate about, please like take that on. And, and that's one more service we can offer with a smile. Yeah. Like I, I was more than happy with that. One guy made the mistake of, uh, saying, you know, I'm really tired of setting printers strictly through registry entries and group policy. I think I'm going to make a, a print server. And I said, okay. <laughs> uh, Guess who was the print server guy for the next eight years? Yep. Nope. That sounds like a print server issue. Josh? <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's watching tonight, by the way. <clears throat> uh, I Hob Goblin sends over another five euro bucks. Thank you very much. I had a WD Blue 640 gig HDD literally melted inside of an HD <laughs> inside and an HD 7990 burnt up. My power supply at the time, 12 volt rail failed and killed both. Um, I've had. I can't think of a GPU that died as a direct result of a power supply failure, although it definitely does happen. Um, I I have had a power supply shoot two feet of flame out the back at me before, though. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember you uh, telling me that story. Yeah, so I, I used to work at a CNC uh, mill, uh, basically a wood shop. And uh, we, we manufactured um, products entirely out of wood. And uh, my job was CNC operator, but I also took on a lot of the networking and, and you know, IT responsibilities. By the way, this was back in like 2006. Um, like, you know, we're, we're talking just barely above, you know, two soup cans and a string. Uh, but uh, there was a computer that controlled a couple different CNC machines that I knew was probably in dire need of some love. And so I told my boss, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and take, I'm going to volunteer my time. I'm going to go ahead and take this PC home. I'm going to make sure it's all cleaned out, make sure everything's good to go because when's the last time it's been serviced? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, okay, do you mind if I over like our Thanksgiving break, take it home? And, uh, you know, just give it a once over. And he goes, yeah, that's totally fine. I said, okay, cool. Um, took the PC home Thanksgiving morning. I wake up. I don't have any kids yet. I, I have a wife who works graveyard. Like, like it's, it's seven in the morning. I'm wide awake. She's asleep. And I'm like, you know what? I got nothing better to do than vacuum out a computer today. Awesome. And so got up, pulled the side off the computer. Um, and, uh, there was literally like an inch and a half of dust on every single component inside of there, two inches at the bottom of the, of the case. Um, and this nest. Yeah. Yeah. And this thing was like, uh, I want to say like a Tualatin Pentium three, uh, like 800 megahertz Pentium three. And this was like the backbone of, of their operation. Um, I'm like, okay. So I took our vacuum and I, vacuumed everything out, took all the cards out, blew out the slots, you know, cleaned everything with a rag and, and everything else. Um, had an air compressor, blew out the, uh, uh, the power supply just a little bit and, uh, and, and blew out the, the whole interior of it. And, um, like, okay, I, th I think we're good to go. So I put it all back together and I went ahead and powered it on. And I'm, I'm on the floor in my living room and, uh, I hit power. And I hear the fans spin up, and the fans are all good, amazingly enough. The bearings hadn't been seized by years of wood dust. Um, fans kick on, lights come on. It runs for about four seconds, and then it turns into a flamethrower. <laughs> Backfire. <laughs> um, apparently, I didn't blow out the power supply well enough, and one of the caps burst. Uh, because all of a sudden, it goes... <laughs> <laughs> and just shoots like literally between 12 and 18 inches of flame out the back and no. holds steady for a couple of seconds. No, no, no. You accidentally hit that turbo button. <laughs> that must have been what it was because, yeah. uh, man, the boosters wanted to separate. <laughs> Jeff's like, oh, I'm going to make this computer just like the Fast and the Furious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I reached up and yanked the power cord out of the back of that thing. Um, talked to my boss on Monday and said, Hey, so I got the PC all cleaned out, but we may need a new power supply. 
<laughs> you mind if I go ahead and order one? He goes, how much is it going to be? Like 30 bucks. He goes, can we survive without it? I went, no. He goes, like he was one of those guys. But, yeah. And then can we also move it to scheduled a maintenance location? on an eight year old piece of hardware? How dare you? Right. It was, he was one of those guys. <sighs> never, never cleaned the lathe at all or the area. <laughs> just, just spray it with more lube. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, once you let the magic genie out who powers electronics, you can't get him back in. You know, once that puff of smoke happens, he's out. You know, there, there's no putting him back in the lamp. So, uh, should have had marshmallows handy. Yeah, if you like, you know, silicone and capacitors in your, in your marshmallows. Yeah, I know, a bunch of plastics going in it. Yep. Uh, we got about 10 minutes left. We do have a couple stories that I kind of want to get to. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and skip the USB adapter. We'll go straight to beer news. Uh, Epic All Brewing right. announces their 2022 Big Bad Baptiste Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout Series. Yep. Uh. I, fig- I figured we'd talk about this one really quick because this is something that's been on the show quite a few times. I had one a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, it's not as big as the Goose Island, you know, the Bourbon County Stout, but it is something that probably is nationwide. Uh, and there are some new flavors in there this year. Yeah. Um, speaking, so going down the list is going to be the toasted coconut one, probably a one I will definitely pick up if I can find mm-hmm. it. A big bad breakfast one, so it'll be a maple and whiskey barrel aged. Oh hell yeah! A ginger beer. Um, it's probably actually going to taste more like uh, pumpkin because it's allspice, cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, and vanilla. So I'm betting it's probably graham cracker, maybe you know pumpkin pie. Another interesting. Oh man, allspice all and ginger together in the same beer. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And a, and, a, and a stout. Now that's uh, it's not barrel aged though, but it is. It is I don't flavored. care. Uh, there you, the you put orange... like three of my four favorite words into the same sentence. <laughs> like barrel aged was the only thing you were missing. <laughs> orange stick, so a chocolate zesty orange. Um, so if you ever had those kid orange sticks, I believe that's what they're oh, going yeah. for. Uh, another one that I, the one of them I'm looking forward to is rum barrel aged. I love, I love, love rum. rum barrel aged stouts. Yes. They are such an underrated and underutilized flavor profile mechanism aging practice. Uh, we have one of the best ones over in Sandy Am, uh, yeah. which is a brewery here in Salem that makes the, uh, the pirate stout, which is a standard any time of year, you can year buy the Saniam Pirate Stout. It's an eight and a half percent stout that is aged for a year in rum barrels. Yep. And it's like twelve dollars for a four pack of pints. It's like oh, three dollars yeah. a pint. It's nuts. It is. It is nuts. As pound for pound, price wise, ABV and flavor, top three, four stouts probably out there. Absolutely. Absolutely, you know, it is. Um, like, like, one, like you, yeah. you, you take your standard like top shelf stouts. You've got your your Dragon's Milk. You've got your Big Bad Baptiste. You've got, yeah. you know, your your standard year round stuff. Um, yeah, Pirate Stout for me is a is like a top four. It absolutely well, yeah. and, easily and that, is. And that's the thing too. You have to say it's year round, and uh, you know it is barrel aged. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, they're doing this, uh, in a, they're a tiny little brewery in comparison to the people that you mentioned. 
mm-hmm. you know that's the thing so uh the other the last one though they had that this was the one that intrigued me they said barrel strength yeah and, and i don't know what because i tried looking it up couldn't find it i so i don't know what strength means now i'm i'm hoping when they say that i'm thinking cask strength so maybe a little bit bigger yeah what they say is epic seller teams has over a decade of experience perfecting world-class barrel-aged beer barrel strength was refined through this wealth of passion and experience using the nest wood and in-house techniques we've created a beer with flavors only attainable through craftsmanship and patience that sounds like they're aiming for the flavor profiles that come with a cask strength whiskey that's Um, kind of what i was thinking Right. And so not necessarily if you age something in barrels, um, you are you are aging at cask strength because spoiler alert, any any bottle of whiskey or spirits that you buy is watered down. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So in any bottle of Jameson that you've ever bought comes out of the barrel at like 58% 58% of like 116, 130 AB or 130 proof. What they will do is they will add water to get it down to 80 proof, which means most people can drink it without issue and it makes a great mixer. Um, and 80 proof is pretty much the overall standard of what most whiskeys and spirits are, are distilled to. Um, but there are people and, and, distilleries who will sell you bottles that were literally bottled straight out of the barrel and they're called barrel strength or cask strength and they can often exceed 120 proof pretty easily so 60 percent abv um barrel strength in a barrel aged beer doesn't make a lot of sense because you're you're just aging them in the barrel unless they were trying to get those those spicier, woodier, deeper, richer, you know, devil's cut style notes. Yeah. Yeah, in my mind, I thought this is basically supposed to be kind of more of like an even more refined version of the standard Big Bad Baptista barrel aged mm-hmm. stout. This one is like everything, if you have a little complaint, that's gonna be gone. This is all of the good stuff time you know at up to 11 and the right. bad stuff gone this is just we took time and patience really crafted the barrel strength one i i think that's that's what i'm taking away so looking forward to trying these checking these out um uh reason i wanted to talk about this was again we do have this particular <laughs> beer on the show quite often uh it is a very sought after collectible yep. these beers you can age a lot of times so this is like a, a little bit cheaper version than of the bourbon county right still really good um Uh, no i i've i've long been a fan of bid bag baptiste uh we very regularly get the standard one out here um and uh we can usually find three or four of the variants at at even local bottle shops almost year round um in fact uh they say very well so a lot of them have them in like their cellared area right a lot of times too right uh uh, i actually just just a couple weeks ago pulled one out of my beer storage that uh it was a 2020 peanut butter cup yeah i have that one now delicious yeah dude that one there there are some hit and misses they've been hit and misses but that's fine the same with bourbon county's had some misses right 
exactly. So it's it's not unheard of. The uh, these are actually now that I'm thinking about one of the few that still do big bourbon barrel aged bombers. Yeah, a lot of people are moving down. To <laughs> are moving the down to the twelves. Yeah, and you know. and and again, I think that was really a transition from from COVID age because there's less get-togethers, there's less <laughs> bottle shares, there's less things yeah. that are happening. Uh, I mean, they're definitely starting to come back, but at the same time, man, if Oregon's ERs are anything to judge by, I'm not looking forward to going to any bottle shares in the next year. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, that was a move, I think, in 2020 that happened that I'm very happy with because we talked about over the last two years how a lot of our collector's beers have been in bombers. And, and you never want to open it. because And I don't know about it. you, but I'm not drinking a pint and a half of a 17.5% yeah, no. stout in a single sitting. Well, even I've talked about this on, on my show of just like, I enjoy it being smaller because one, I can have it, review it. Two, the price point goes down. So now I can't. Yeah, exactly. I now love I, that this is in a 12 ounce. Yeah. And even 12, can, 12 ounce might even be a little much. Like I, I'd like this in an eight. I've talked, I've talked about that too, of like, really, why don't they do that? And I've talked to a canning guy who runs a local, we know the person. Yeah, I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, he says the problem they don't do that is the, the issue or the reason they, uh, a lot of people went down too was price, obviously. Um, and you're, but you're able to sell it more when it's in the 12 ounce bottles or 12 ounce cans. The issue was that it's still the same price for the eight ounce can for the 12 ounce can. And you have to pay for twice as many labels. That's true. And you're, and so he's like, it really doesn't work out. It's 50% well as... more work for the same amount of profit. Exactly. And, and it's that much more in shipping and, and everything else. Like logistically yeah. moving eight ounces versus 12 ounces is not that much, but moving a bomber versus 12 ounce you know, there's a significant price hike. And so, yeah. you know, I, I get that from a, a brewer and canner standpoint on the logistics side of things. Um, but yes, I, I enjoy If I could just say one, one more time how freaking good this beer is, though. Oh, yeah. my <laughs> God. <laughs> the oh. coconut and maple are still... I'm, like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go bust out one of the many deal with the devils I have. <laughs> just a, well, I'll just, drink one with you then. Uh, I know. I just ordered two more. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, for those who don't know, Anchorage Brewing makes a beer called Deal with the Devil. Um, it's a 12 ounce bottle. Yep. Wax sealed, and it better damn be wax sealed because it was ninety eight dollars. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay is. i have spent less on whiskey and felt more guilty like like i i i put a hundred dollars into a 12 ounce bottle of beer that i will down in one sitting and is upstairs in my fridge right now and and i look at it every time and i go should when? i carry that downstairs and drink it oh or am i terrified that i drop the bottle on the way i uh, so I have, I think, five or six yeah. different variants in years. Yeah. I got two more on the way. I've had one. Have you? Yeah. I've had one, and oh, my God, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, 
the story on how I got this one was my brother-in-law happened to be over in Bend, Oregon, uh, doing some work. And, uh, and he goes, hey, is there anywhere that I should visit? And I said, well, obviously you've got Deschutes, you've got Ten Barrel, you've got... Uh, who's the other one that's... I mean, there's like 30 breweries over yeah, there. Yeah, there's but... um, 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 Boneyard. Boneyard. Boneyard do... was the one yeah. I was thinking of. Um, and, and so I'm like, well, you've got, you know, all these breweries that, yeah, you have to stop there. Like the Deschutes uh, brew house and pub is like freaking amazing. Amazing food, even better beer. And then you've got so many other just like breweries that are open and they share their, their experimentations and everything else. You have to do the Bend Beer Trail if you're a beer enthusiast sometime. Oh, yeah. uh, but he goes, I walked into a bottle shop and I'm looking around and I'm thinking like, what would Jeff want? What would Jeff like me to bring home if I bought him something? And I'm like, well, you're not really going to surprise me with anything. I've got a really good bottle shop literally around the corner that probably has everything you do and more. And he sent me a picture of the uh, the deal with the devil from Anchorage, which is not a beer that I've seen at my local bottle shop. And I went, how much do they want? And he goes, it's $96. And I went, I'll take it. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah, it's, it's, see, so let's see. Triple oaked barley wine age in seven months in blended Buffalo Trace, uh, Amagala, and Woodrow Reserve double oaked bourbon barrels. Then mm -hmm. transferred to Woodford Reserve and Willet bourbon for another nine months. Then transferred to Willet and Woodford Reserve bourbon barrels for an additional eight months. Yep. Yeah. I will pay... Yep. $100 for this. $100 beer. for that bottle. <laughs> right. Um, we, we've talked about Rogue Brewing a couple times on this show. Uh, Rogue is a, is another local brewery. Uh, they're located in Newport, Oregon. They're actually called Rogue Ales and Spirits. And uh, also Rogue Farms is part of their their yep. branch of conglomeracy. Um they own their own hop farms. They own their own fruit farms. They own their own distillery. They own their own brewery, which means they can do anything. Any form of alcoholic beverage they want to procure, they can do 100% in-house. And uh, I will tell you, holy crap, they do an amazing job at making beers in-house. Um, oh, yeah. Great stuff. You, you look at their at the Rogue 6, 8, and 9, 10 hop varieties the uh the coffee ipa the coffee ipas the 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 coffee ipa one and the coffee ipa two um which is all done with in-house coffee in-house roasted in-house ipas in-house aged they have they, they do their own bourbon they do their own rye they do their own gin yeah. they do their own vodka they oh, then like, will save those barrels and then age their exactly. stouts in those barrels. They'll then empty those barrels, sell you the stouts, and then re-age the whiskey in the barrel that the stout yeah. and the whiskey already aged in. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's some good stuff. And also, too, Rogue, for a little beer, was one of the big pioneers that pushed craft beer with the Dead Guy Ale. Yes. So uh, Right. One of the, you know traditional entry-level beers of of craft enthusiasm you think you're sierra nevada pale you think you're stone ipa yep 
you got to think rogue dead guy somewhere yep. in that mix, you know, maybe a little fat tire on the side. Uh, those were the beers in, in 1995 and 2000 that kind of started the craft brewing yeah. enthusiasm and industry that exists today. You you went to a bachelor party and you had some dead guy and everyone was like, oh, fancy, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah we're going to have a real good time. It's like, oh, this has some interesting notes or this is beer. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, I know. Now you drink is like, yeah, this is pretty good. But that's the thing. It's, it's. It, I, I will still have a dead guy. It still holds up. I still have a Stone IPA. It still I, holds up. Stone IPA is still a regular in my fridge. Uh, um, I the rogue a... dead guy, not as much. But I do yeah. make sure to get the dead and deader every single year that it comes out, which is yeah. their whiskey barrel aged dead guy ale. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, and I'm not saying it's like these are staples you have to have in your fridge, but I'm saying that they're good enough to have still they're 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 not going to disappoint right sorry uh they're they're still good enough you're going to taste and be like oh i understand why this helped elevate all these other companies to start brewing their own home brews and then thus eventually becoming breweries you know and, um, and giving us the hazy bruce in chat says my wife thinks i'm high maintenance you two have me beat hands down <laughs> <laughs> I have I have in a shipment of beer coming. I have fourteen beers. Three of them alone it equates to two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, uh, John and I have been beer shopping together more times <laughs> than should probably legally be allowed. Oh, we uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's we spend too much money. We we go there and we're like, hey, did you see that? Oh, that looks delicious. I think we, we, we I think between the two of us, we cleared a thousand dollars one time. Oh yes, we did one time. Uh, <laughs> there was yeah, because we'll we'll both even our basket. beer even our beer vlog. Like if you go back and look at craft computing, yeah. I have a beer vlog on this channel. I think it's episode like twelve or fifteen or something like that. We spent like a lot. We spent like six hundred six hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like yeah, it was like three and four fifty something like that a piece. So yeah, it, it was, it was insane. I remember at the time you were like, "Oh, I got my my basket," and I'm like, "I'm already done with one." Right. <laughs> I kicked sad. that basket under the table. I'm on yeah. basket two. Keep up, bro. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Uh, let's see. There was a little bit of gaming news. If you mm-hmm. want to talk about that for the last couple seconds, uh, it was uh. I am oh. so conflicted by this one because I don't the, know now the, the 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 subtitle in the article the subtext says it's not nearly as vomit inducing as you'd think. I know, right? As someone who has no trouble at all with VR sickness, bull. <laughs> BS, hundred percent. In car VR arrives for new Audis courtesy of Hollow Ride. It's a pair of augmented reality goggles that runs about $700, um, which includes an HTC Vive Go, an 8-bit Doe Pro 2 controller, and a year-long subscription to the Hollow Ride platform, which will allow you to play games in VR through the entirety of 2023 in your Audi in the back seat in virtual slash augmented reality. Yeah, you're going to throw up. I'm sorry. That one you're going to throw up because the difference with VR and the reason you don't or aren't going to get as much stickness regularly, you're controlling and the room is not going to suddenly just turn you. Right. 
Um, <laughs> there is a phenomenal channel uh, called Up Is Not Jump. If you guys are not aware of it, please go subscribe. The dude does some amazing work. Um, Up Is Not Jump did a review of Skyrim VR one time. And he's done a lot of other VR reviews, but this one in particular stood out because if you think of Skyrim, if you think of the meme of Skyrim, what do you think of? You think of the introductory scene. You're in the wagon, you're being towed to your execution. And thematically, cinematically, you're sitting down in a wagon that is moving and you're sitting in a seat that is perpendicular to the direction of movement that you're currently moving in. And on PC, that's fine. I can I can personify that that person. Like I'm I'm sitting in my chair, I see myself, I've got my keyboard or my controller or my mouse or whatever in front of me, and I'm going, okay, I'm in the world now. Like, okay, I can look around. Ooh, there's there's, you know, Ulfric Stormcloak, and we're gonna we're all gonna die. That's when you put on a VR headset and now you are that person that's sitting in a cart on their way to their death, but the cart is moving this way. Your mind doesn't like that. Nope. Your body doesn't like that. Your inner ear doesn't like that. All of the senses and, and, uh, instincts that you have for balance, motion, intuition, reaction, doesn't like your eyes receiving signals that the rest of you doesn't also receive. And so Skyrim VR opens its game by breaking the one rule of VR by moving a player perpendicular to their current position without their consent. Like it is, it is the one rule you have to follow. If a player turns, they do it of their own volition because that's the only way the human mind accepts it. Uh, you know, the matrix said, you know, uh, you know, I thought it wasn't real. Your mind makes it real. Your mind makes it, your eyes make it real. Your mind makes you vomit. Yeah. If, if the rules are not followed and there's some very basic rules at play here. I cannot imagine putting on a VR headset inside of a car and feeling the G-forces in any way, shape, or form related to vehicular travel and not associating that with... I get, I got car sick in the back seat playing Game Boy. Oh, yeah, right? Uh, now, this does actually look like a... Now, did they say augmented... It is augmented because you can see through it. But I'm. I want to know how augmented. I. I bet it's probably pretty. I, as someone who owns a number of augmented reality headsets, uh, I've done the the Enreal Air uh, review here on the channel, both closed off and open face. Um, and in in that video, I showed off like four other headsets that I have that are AR style headsets where you can still see your surroundings. Um, it's still jarring. It yeah. is still something you do not want to experience. It is rule 101. Like when you sign up for the class of how to design virtual reality experiences, it says do not move the player contrary to their current environment. And sitting in the backseat of a car with a VR headset, I don't care what the subtitle says, <laughs> it's vomit inducing. 
Now, did you? I don't know if you saw this. There was a someone brought it up, and I, I was just looking at it earlier because it got brought up in the chat. Of uh, the uh, Oculus founder came up with a a new special headset. I posted the link in the in uh, the Discord. Ooh, I will have to check that go, out. Go take uh, a look. Palmer Lucky, where did you post it? Uh, talk Talking Heads. Okay. Uh, disc the Discord. Um. <laughs> just, <laughs> I did see this article. Yeah, so I I thought I saw the picture in the headline and thought it was a joke, and I was like, "Oh, this kind of fits with this last part." <laughs> if I die in the Matrix, I die for real. The body cannot live without the mind. <laughs> so he actually I thought you said it wasn't real. Your mind makes it real. <laughs> so yeah, Oculus uh, founder Palmer Lucky claimed or uh creates a new vr headset that will actually kill you if you die in real life or in in the game you will die in real life you will die in real life if you die in the game right yes essentially it looks like quote this. the concept of video games with physical consequences as severe as death are a sci-fi staple uh but uh but seen as beyond the pale in real life, given the popularity of motorsports, extreme athletics, etc. Why? Why indeed, Palmer? Why would the average consumer not want to take part in vehicular motorsports for fear of <laughs> death or maiming? Oh, maybe it's that fear of death or maiming from not being very good at vehicular motorsports. Yes, but I still want to try it. I love football. I also like my cerebral cortex. <laughs> I enjoy I I enjoy Formula One. I also really like my 350Z and all of my synapses continuing to fire. Wow, what is this stupid? So yeah, I. Yeah, so th there's two new awesome VR headsets coming out. <laughs> I don't know that I want to review that one. That's <laughs> like Jeff. It's like there, there's one you can review. But just don't die in the middle of the review. You're like, oh, Rhett. I don't know that you, they'd be gonna, seating. You're gonna, you're gonna I don't know that they. Yeah, yeah. Rhett, Rhett, do the review and and report back. <laughs> I don't know that they'd seed those to reviewers because they probably expect them back at some point. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Good times. Well, good good times. times. I think that's about all we have. Um, I think that is. Lot to digest from this week outside of just layoff and tech being down and Elon being Elon news. Holy crap, there's been a lot of that. I really didn't want to get into it. We touched on it a little bit. Starlink being the nearest thing that we could talk about without getting all the Twitter bros up in arms. Um, but I think bottom line to our first story of the night of the uh, the Sapphire Rapids with HBM and now the hiccup start as I'm trying to close. Uh, That's a good time to close, yeah. It's a good time to close. Uh, as well as the Intel XE128 the 1550 data center GPU. There's never been a better time to be a consumer of, of PC hardware. 
competition is as rampant as it has ever been, I think we can say without a shadow of a doubt, we do now have three players in the GPU space, which is the first time we've been able to say that since NVIDIA ATI and 3D effects. Uh, so, and that's back when S3 was also still making graphics cards. Like, think about that. Uh, there's never been a better time to be a consumer or even on the enterprise side of CPU competition. Look at Sapphire Rapids with HBM coming out with 60 or with, with 56 cores or with Milan X coming out with 96 cores uh, and already shipping to consumers. Think of PCI Express 5.0 NVMe on the horizon. Think of the, the H100 from NVIDIA. Holy crap. Innovation is at an all-time high. Moore's Law is suddenly alive and well as we've doubled performance each of the last two generations year over year. Man, it's been a long time since I've been able to say that. <laughs> so it has been a very interesting week in tech. It has been a long week here in the studio. John, it's probably been a long week at work. Yep. Hope you all got to sit down Enjoy a beer tonight and uh, just kind of go over the week that was. If you like this video, make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. If you don't have time for the full show but still want to see all the top stories, make sure to subscribe to Craft Extra so you can see the individual clips from this story as well as every week's past and keep up to date on all of your related tech news. Uh, subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to Hops and Brews if you like the beer content on this channel. You might even see some familiar faces over there. Maybe. Uh, although, definitely not reviewing Pickle. Uh, you know, the the uh, the last one was a, is a, yeah, that was a while ago. Now that yeah, I think about it. Yeah. Gonna have to, may, maybe. Eight, nine maybe, months, maybe, something like that? Yeah, no, um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll open one of those deal with the devil if you come over. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I could be coerced. <laughs> it's like there there are worse things that could happen. <laughs> right. Uh, just have the guest bed ready for me. <laughs> Fine. You, uh, you, can sleep, you can sleep in the studio. It's there got, you go. Yeah. It's It's got uh, full uh, full gig internet over here, so you're fine. Oh, sweet. I, I'm fine then. There you go. You got, you got, you got a TV, a PC. You got soon-to-be uh, server, plenty of liquor. And a whole mini beer fridge. So, you yeah. say plenty of liquor. It's, 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 it's a, uh, you know, two dozen bottles. You know me. I know. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, and that's what the, I said beer fridge. I said beer okay, fridge. Okay. Okay. Back up. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anyway, thank you all so much for watching episode 259 here on Talking Heads. This has been Craft Computing. Make sure to hit the podcast uh, on anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found for the instant replay of this. And as always, we'll see you next week. By the way, uh, check the link in the description for Yocto's uh, fundraiser for free play. Or, gosh, what was the... Now I forgot the name of the... It's the it's the kids' charity where you play games and earn money. Do that. Do that. Down below. It's for a good cause. It's Do for it. a good cause. Click it. Click Thank it. Thank you so much.